Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Cannon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Cannon, an SB Nation blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. I am Will Chase, joined tonight by Pale Dragon. What's going on, PD? Uh, hey, Will. Uh, not enjoying this uh, last gasp of winter, but other than that, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, it's cold here, too. It's going to be cold here tomorrow, like 43. And Seeds, what's going on? What up? Yeah, we had 70s last week, and now it's like 43 degrees outside. Like, what the hell is this crap? <laughs> yeah, it was just uh, sleeting on me and Riley when we were at the dog park, so that was less than fun. Worst there confirmed, because we have a little bit of rain, I think, but I'll take that, I guess. But uh, <laughs> So we'll go ahead and dive right into it. So, PD, I'm going to start off with a question. So what did we say the Blue Jackets needed last week, points-wise? What did we think they might end up with yeah i think we we're hoping for what six six they got four which was an improvement over what they'd done before they're on a three-game point streak but it's it's improvement but it's not enough to get where they want to be going and um you know and especially thursday against florida they had a three-goal lead in the third period uh that should have been a regulation win and it was an overtime loss and that's just not good enough Nope. And like you said, so they blew both. Well, they lost both games to the Panthers, blowing a four to one third period lead. But the, one of the bigger stories, of course, from that game was Patrick Line not playing in the third period, not playing in overtime. His his ice time was reduced. How do you reduce the ice time of a guy who had just had two points in that game, including a goal? What are you doing in overtime when he's not out there? See if his arms are up. I, I have an idea of how you announce, of how you reduce it. Um, you're a bad hockey coach. I get that Line has had his struggles and he's had his moments with the coaching staff. And you might think, you know, he had a seven game pointless streak. He admitted before the game that his confidence was near zero. Blah blah blah. The the guy had two points on the night and was driving offensive play. Um, looked every bit the part of the guy that we wanted him to be and you're just going to nail him to the bench for the latter part of the entire third period when it wasn't even really clear watching it in the time what you know upon review if you go back and look at the goals that are, get, that are given up it's not like they're all three on him he might have been on the ice for three goals sure but 
two were one one you could have said he could have closed out more on. The other one uh, was probably was uh, I believe it was David Savard who was screening his goaltender, and the other one was an issue where uh, Line was away from the puck. It's like what more do you want this guy to do out there? He's not you know. He can't be both prime Alex Ovechkin and prime Patrice Bergeron on the ice. Like there, there is literally zero excuse for nailing Patrick Laine to the bench as Columbus is blowing a a three goal lead in the third period. And another another thing you could have done as a coach is, I don't know, maybe take a time out to settle your guys down. Just kind of like, hey, let's get our bearings here. Get some rest refocus on your defensive uh, structure here. Maybe get, you know, your good face of guy and Boone Jenner out there, try and win a draw and, you know, settle the puck and maintain possession. But unfortunately we don't do that this. This is just not a hallmark of this coaching staff and this organization at this point. It's just, it was so frustrating to watch them blow that lead in real time as Patrick line is nailed to the bench for no good reason. It was infuriating. It's interesting you bring up the timeout thing because the previous Thursday in Dallas, the Jackets had a 3 nothing lead, and then they gave up two quick ones. And Tort said that he thought about calling a timeout, but ended up holding off on it, waited till the TV timeout. And, you know, the Jackets actually did lock up there. That, you know, in Dallas, they had given up two quick goals. Torts didn't call a timeout, but the team played through it and they did what they were supposed to do. They locked Dallas down, they held on to the lead. And perhaps Torts was hoping that the same thing would happen this time, that the players would just hold on to it and, um, you know, not blow the lead. And I think with line A, it's not so much a matter. It sounds like from what Torts said, that it wasn't that line A himself did anything in particular to get benched. It was just that there were other players that Torts trusted more late in that game. That works out so very well. Well, well someone like like Max Domi. Well, so someone like Max Domi, who has been playing a lot better this week, you know, he got more minutes, which is nice to see for him. But I, I think it reveals two things about Torts's philosophy. The first thing is Torts doesn't like high event hockey. So Line A was on goal, was on ice for five goals in that game: two, four, three against. And I think Torts would rather guys that just limit the amount of action on both ends of the ice. So I think something like sun, Sunday's game that was, you know, 1-1 after 65 minutes, like that's Torts' ideal. Now, I think, you know, the problem with that view is focusing on the three goals against and not the two goals for. And the other thing that it shows is that Torts plays not to lose, rather than plays to win. Mm -hmm. And even once Florida tied it up, I think he should have been putting a guy like line out there to, you know, get the lead back. Or, you know, even when you still are clinging to a one goal lead, have your goal score out to the guy whose line has been scoring goals, send them back out there to try to expand the lead. You know, keep doing what you're doing to get the lead. Don't, automatically go into a shell which you know is something that they were able to do last year because they were so good defensively as a team they're not that team this year right so you know right. you've it's, got to- it's 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 obviously not recognizing what the team is right now and if you want to talk about players who were on the ice and not playing well and players who were on the ice for goals against let's talk about a defenseman who had uh who was on the ice for 16 percent of uh he had a 16% Fenwick, had 13% of all shots for, was on the ice for zero goals scored, three allowed at five on five, 
and played 17 minutes and change in that game. And that's Mr. David Savard. Yeah. Continues, continues, continues to get run out there in all these defensive situations when I have no idea why people think, uh, I mean, other than, you know, 200 hockey men think he's worth something. But defensively, he's absolute garbage this season. He is absolutely trash. And he doesn't see his ice time reduced. He doesn't see his time get knocked. It's only guys like Line who, again, probably in PD, you're right. It's probably because he's part of high event hockey. But you know what? In a high event game, I'd rather have the high event guy out there who has a chance of putting the puck in the damn net. <laughs> Maybe try to get this game back under control. I just I fund it's it's a fundamental recognition not it's fundamentally not recognizing the needs of the moment. It's it's like it's it's basically to me that game was the equivalent of the Atlanta Falcons blowing that Super Bowl with just much lower stakes because and, and, and you're, you're right. Sees and the weird thing is is that Savard has been on ice for a lot of high event hockey, like both you know goals for and goals against. And yeah, unfortunately on Thursday it was like four goals against that he was on there for in all situations. And uh, yeah, now I will say then after after Thursday's game that Torts seemed to maybe learn some lessons because. Both Saturday and Sunday's games went to overtime as well, and the forward rotation was a lot more sensible. It looked normal. You had players you'd want to see out there. Right, yeah. Like 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 he started with Line A, Bjorkstrand, and Atkinson. Or Line A, Line A, Atkinson, and Seth Jones. That's that at least makes sense. You at least have a chance to win in overtime. At least that way, if you lose, you can say, Well, we lost. It, 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 you had your best players out there. Unless, of course, you change it after the overtime starts, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, so, so so things were a lot more sensible in terms of deployment of minutes on Saturday and Sunday, and you know they were getting better results from it, and right. you know not blowing massive leads, and you know still able to score goals. And shocker, and so, playing playing your best players in the roles they're best suited for is probably a good strategy. I, I realize I'm breaking new ground here for the Columbus Blue Jackets organization, but like, hey guys. And so Columbus has now two wins past regulation this season. I forgot they actually had a shootout win against Florida earlier in the year. Then they got, I, I want to say they got lucky against Dallas in the first overtime with four seconds left, Zach Wierenski, and he almost had a chance at the end of the overtime yesterday. And of course, shootout was a dud. But despite the fact that this team had a blown opportunity against Florida, they're still four points back of the Hawks. But... They have the Hurricanes coming up starting Thursday, so they have some tough games with Detroit in the middle of Carolina and Tampa Bay. So squandered opportunity, but they're still breathing, it feels like. They like a playoff series. So got three days off before it, which is plenty of time to practice, work on things. And then, yeah, you got two games on the road, and then you come back home for two games, all against the same opponent. There's going to be you know adjustments, counter-adjustments. Uh, I think we need to approach it uh, with the same strategy of steal a game on the road and then defend home ice, you know, and if they can take six points out of that series, that would be massive in terms of getting things going. If they, if they can't get it going now, they're not going to get it going. Right. This is this, when I wrote that article about the upcoming stretch of games leading into the trade deadline, I was like, this, this four game stretch could very well determine the season. And the team is just basically treading water. You know, they're, they're treading water right now and staying alive as best they possibly can. And like, if they, if they lose three of four, if they take two out of these eight points, that's probably the season in, in, in the down the tubes right now. Like they have to show something against Carolina. And unfortunately Carolina seems to be peaking at the right moment. And they're, 
one of the top three teams in the league by points percentage right now. The Carolina looks every bit the part of Stanley Cup contender. So Columbus is going to we're, we're going to learn a lot about what this organization is from a team building standpoint, from a competitiveness standpoint, from a just a willingness to fight on a night in night out basis for your playoff lives. It's we're this is the the this team has historically played well when their backs are against the wall and they're kind of up against it here. So we're about to see what this team is made of for better or worse. And even this season, I feel like the Jackets have played to the level of their opponents. And so, you know, they have not been embarrassed on the ice generally against the top teams in the division. You know, they if took three out of four points out of Tampa when they played them in January, and that was before Line or Roslovic were here, and that was without Dubois being on the ice for most of those games. Um, you know, they've held their own against Florida. I think they only had one bad loss against Carolina, and they've beaten them at least once. So uh, hopefully, given what's at stake, that, yeah, this team, when no one expects them to win, that's when they step up and they play out of their minds against a quality yeah, opponent. That's their Emma. Yeah, so it's four straight against Carolina coming up starting Thursday with two in Carolina. Then it shifts to Columbus next Monday and Thursday with a Saturday, Sunday Red Wings matchup following that series. All right, and it should be noted, Carolina is likely without their leading scorer for this uh, stretch of games here. Vincent Trocek got hurt. I forget what I forget what he has. Yeah, my fantasy team is worse off for it. But Trocek's uh, uh, out, and um, Brenda Moore said in an interview over the weekend that he's out likely longer than we'd hope. So he's probably out till at least the weekend. Oh, beyond if that, he yeah, could, if he makes it back, if he makes it back for this this four game stretch at all. So Carolina being down a point per game player is huge. That really helps Columbus. So for a team yeah. that's struggling to stop teams from scoring right now, so. Uh, well, I didn't even realize that Trocek was that hot this year. I, you know, I still think Carolina's lethal because they've got Aho and Sebechnikov, so that's you know difficult enough to stop. So, yeah, yeah, uh, Trocek's got 13 goals on the year, leads the leads the uh, Hurricanes in goal scoring. The other big news from the last week, well, I guess it was big news, but news enough, was the trading of Vinny Vivalainen to the Maple Leafs for Miko Lettinen, a defenseman. So I was a little surprised. I, I won't, I'll be honest. I don't know a ton about Vivalainen, but I've heard the name for quite a bit. But I got the, uh, after the trade went down, it seemed to me that he's more of sort of like this extra goalie in the organization that just they were able to just kind of let go. And then you still have Tarasov. And of course, you got Elvis in Corpus Salo. So, I mean, were you guys shocked at the trade going down? I don't think any of us expected it. I was. It. Yeah. I was. Yeah. Because I I've, have enjoyed that the organization has had this depth at the goalie position. And, you know, everyone expects that by this summer, one of the current goalies will be traded just to get something for them before their contract is up next summer. I mean, the summer of 22. Um, now, in terms of Vevelin and himself, I don't know that it's a huge loss. I don't know how high his ceiling was. He's an undersized goalie, which is an issue because this is a big goalie league now. Um, I, it's odd to trade him for a player that is not really a prospect. Um, now, Lettinen is it sounds like a decent player. He was the best defenseman in the KHL last year. Didn't do much with Toronto this year in limited action, um, but he's you know 27 years old. He's a free agent this summer. Um, hopefully, there's some kind of plan to hold on to him. Uh, otherwise, it seems like I would have rather had a draft pick for Vevelinen. Um, But 
I am intrigued by what Ledin can bring if he does play. I think it could preview further trade action this year. Um, you know, it seems likely that if this team is not in contention at the deadline, that they'll look to trade their players on expiring contracts. So that could mean both David Savard and Michael Delzato could be on the move, uh, which I would be fine with because I don't think either is contributing a whole lot positive at this point. And if we can get some kind of draft picks for them to, you know, make up for the draft picks we've lost over recent years, that would be great. And so Lettinen, if he doesn't play, he's at least a, you know, f- fills in on depth while guys like, you know, Peek and Kukan and Carlson get, get the game action minutes that, you know, to fill in for Savard and Delzato. So I'm intri- intrigued to see about that. Uh, and with Vevelinen, long term, I'm not too worried because I think the future of the team at the goaltending position is probably Daniil Tarasov who has been playing really well in the KHL this year. He's under contract with the Jackets. He's on loan there. So as soon as that season wraps up here in a few weeks, he'll probably be back in Cleveland playing with them, getting some North American action. Um, now it just, you know, I think it limits the death next year. If we lose one of Corpus Allen and Merzlikens, then, uh, you know, I don't know who else gets action in Cleveland? I'd, I'd, but- say, I'd say I'd say when, not if. But right. to to yeah. go uh, to go back to the trade, I guess um, I think judging my hockey boards, which you know are notoriously the the hotbed of you know intelli- intelligence in the hockey community, it seems sure. like yeah. fans of both teams feel like they fleece the other here. So it probably means it's a fairly fair trade. Um, Vevelinen, he was ne- he's probably not. You know, he, he's now going to start this year over Elvis or Corpusalo. And if when we let one of those guys go this summer in a trade package for something and Tarasov comes over, he's probably not starting over Tarasov and um, whichever the two goaltenders we keep. So, you know, that's fine. Maybe he gets a chance to play in Toronto with uh, one of their goaltenders hurt this year and maybe helps Toronto go on some sort of run to the cup the cup semifinals in the final four. So good for Vevelin and I'm not too broken up for losing him. Um, it just seems like he, he was a prospect in a crowded pool in the only crowded pool Columbus really has at this point. So um, we got something for him that can help when Columbus eventually probably trades off David Savard and uh, at the trade deadline and maybe Michael Del Zotto. That's um, probably the plan. Yeah, it's probably court. Right. Uh, so Yarmo's plan. Yeah, so am I thrilled about getting Lettinen? Not really. He's just kind of a body reclamation project, kind of like Delzato was to me. I don't expect the world from him. I expect 14 minutes a night and, you know, try not to be a total turnover machine. That's all I really ask for. Don't, you know, <laughs> give the pu- don't give the puck away and don't be absolutely brutal in the defensive zone. That's really all I want at this point from a defenseman because I'm just tired of watching our defenseman right now. Yeah. Um, but like, like you said, you know, the future of our, obviously we're, the team is going to have to pick one of Corpus Allo or Ursleekins probably this summer. I know right now, um, Custance has Elvis at number three on his trade trade deadline, big board. I don't think they'd get rid of him at the deadline this year just because what's the point, you know, goaltending trades in season rarely net much of anything. And it feels more like a summer deal, especially when guys won't have to go through quarantine in the middle of the season or Lord willing this summer when hopefully everything's back to normal. But um, yeah, they'll, they'll eventually have to commit to one of the goaltenders. They'll bring, um, Tarasov over and we'll see what he has. Uh, 
I, I don't want to pin all of my hopes for the goaltending future of the franchise on the kid. And I don't know. We'll just, we'll see what happens. I'd like to see him on North American ice. I'd like to see him against, you know, some NHL competition. If he gets any run here and we'll see what happens going forward. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day. Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, like you guys were saying, so both Jonas Corposalo and Elvis Merzlikens are signed through 2022. Uh, but yeah, and you, as you're alluding to seeds, there was an athletic article last week suggesting that the Blue Jackets could keep Corposalo due to Yarmo's working relationship with his agent. I know in our own Slack channel, we have our own thoughts, and even I can't yeah, do the same stupid. conclusion. I, I, I'll, I'll say I it's like- stupid. <laughs> if that's the reason you're going to keep a goaltender, that's stupid. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I, I like Corpy. I defended him. But, yeah, I mean, the numbers are there. We, But that's the same. At the same time, my thought, my only thing about it was I'm not really committing to either one because, as you guys said, Tarasov might be the future anyway. But I just want to see Elvis have a chance. And he's been injured this season. And it's hard to say after just a little bit of last season and this season what he might have the higher ceiling. But I wanted to see him have a chance to play more games like Corpusalo ended up doing. It begs the question for me of maybe the, the a deeper issue which we might not delve into right now but if it comes down to Yarmo and the agent for Corposalo it just makes me think about other players in the past or future players that they deal with in terms of their agent and the the relationship you know like how things sour or not yeah well I, I don't think that Tibbet is as much about like oh Yarmo and his agent are buddies and so it's kind of a any kind of favor or anything like that. I think it's more of a matter of Corpy can be signed for cheaper yeah. than Elvis, uh, which Elvis is making more yes, this year than Yeah, because he's Corpus the worst of the two goaltenders. Yeah, you know the thing is though, I don't, I don't think the gap there is as much as you guys make it seem. I think Elvis is better. One, one of those like, guys is league average, one and one isn't. But we haven't seen yeah, that Elvis also, though. But Elvis mind. is also not. Uh, Vezina quality. Um, you know, maybe he'll get to that level at some point, but I don't think we've seen enough we of that right. for a long enough period of time. Yeah, exactly. I also question about which which guy is the team better with? Because I, now I know that this is not, 
you know, this is maybe correlation rather than causation, but I don't see the teamness having consistently better results on the ice in terms of wins and losses and things like that when Elvis is playing. Um, and I see in so far this year, you know, Elvis, now obviously, you know, the injuries have gotten in the way in terms of him having regular work, but I feel like he's, you're always going to get him giving up at least two goals. Whereas Corpus hey, do, you Solo, forget that he, do you forget that he was second in the league in shutouts last season? Last season. That was over a year ago. He hasn't regained that form that he had last year when he had to be the guy. Now, also, how much of that was the team defense last year being so much better? I think both guys last year... Cor- Corpus Allo didn't do that last year. No, but he still had a stretch where he was playing really well with that, didn't, that didn't, team didn't finish second in the shutout. Didn't finish second in the league in shutouts last year. And Elvis has yeah. played... Elvis has better numbers than Corpus Allo does last, this year. Put it this way. I think Elvis games. is better. I think we have seen enough from Corpus Allo that we know what he is. He's a 907 guy with a 2.9 career goals against average. And I think Elvis is career can is better than that i think he is the floor of him as a goaltender is better than that will he have a couple sinkers sure he's elvis elvis reminds me a lot of mark andre fleury in that well he's a really really talented goaltender hey fleury's fleury's won a several cups so uh and i'm pretty sure we hall of famer yeah i i would take like, I, is he going to have a few stinkers in here and a couple bone scratching plays? Sure, but I'd take the guy with the high, with the supreme technical skill and the higher ceiling over the guy who's just there. And Corpusal is a, just a guy. The, the, he's yeah. So but my issue this year is that Corpusalo's best has been better than Merzlikin's best. So like Elvis has the one shutout this year, but. I feel, but Corpus Solo has more frequent games where he's allowed just one or two goals. Whereas Chevelle's like Elvis is more in the two to three goal range, and Corpy has more of the the two one and two goal kind of games. So if I'm looking at the numbers here, the goals against average, Corpy's is three point zero three, Elvis is three point zero two. Quality start percentage, fifty two percent of Corpy's starts are quality starts, just forty four percent of Elvis's are quality starts, but. Corpy does have, he is, his goal saved above average is in the negative, whereas Elvis is just about league average. So yeah, the underlyings are better for, but the actual results have been better for Corpy. And so I feel like. And how much of that is only because Elvis only has 11 games thus far through two injuries that weren't really his fault. You know, he got, he took a puck to the head and got concussed in practice and he took a stick under his shoulder and had a deep bone bruise and was out for two weeks. You know, that's neither of those are injury prone issues. Those are two kind of fluke things. That's the thing for me. And that's what I was pointing out last week in this article was I feel like Corpusalo, he ended up starting a tremendous amount of games because Tortorella was trying to alternate between the two. And then of course he was forced to go with Corpusalo. And I feel like, as you were saying before that, I think Corpus Allo's numbers might have been a little bit better here or there with either extra rest or the few games off, whereas Elvis's numbers, maybe they look good in certain situations or whatever, but he also hasn't played the amount of games that Corpus Allo has, so it's kind of hard to say. Like In my mind, I just wanted to see more out of Elvis anyway, and we've only seen a, stretch, a great stretch last season, a little bit here and there this season, and at this point, in my mind, Elvis might have the higher ceiling, but... I feel like Corpus Allo, for better or for worse, is just kind of like that safe guy. Like, for more or less, he's going to keep you in it. Maybe that's undermining or undervaluing what he does. But, I mean, that's the way I look at it. He's just kind of safe. 
Shocker. The Columbus Blue Jackets make the safe choice that doesn't actually, you know, give you the high end possible result. That doesn't mean I say they should keep him. I'm just saying for now, it's like he's, he is what he no, is. No, but that's how, that's how the organization tends to make decisions. Well, but I feel like we're not, even if Elvis has the higher ceiling, we, he hasn't been hitting that ceiling for us yet. And if we can get more in a trade for him, that could be better for the team in the long run. And maybe you get Tarasov coming in that is the, the long-term answer rather than Corpy or Elvis. So I can see the logic in the organization going that route with them. You know, it's not, not looking down on Elvis, it's maximizing the value that they have with the goals they've got. So basically what you're suggesting is the organization trades the guy with now the I would be okay with that, but the organization needs to recognize that they're not building towards anything right now and start trading off pieces. And I don't trust this organization to do that because, you know, if you trade Merz Leakins and you try to, you know, there was an article today where Port Signs like they're going to throw $80 million report potentially at Seth Jones. They're going to try and keep Sakwarinski around. They're going to try and keep all these other players around. You know, there's been there's been a lot of smoke around. They'll trade Nick Foligno with a handshake agreement to come back. It's like if we're going to trade off the goaltender with high upside and just kind of run it back with this core group of guys without really committing to a rebuild or really committing to bring in higher end talent. Like what, what exactly are we doing here? There to me, to me, you don't keep, you don't trade off the guy with the higher ceiling to go with Corpus and a guy who might be the answer in the hopes of that working out without trying to say, you know, for the next two years, we're not really in, we're not really building. We're not really contending. We need to try and get what we can for some of these players and rebuild. And, I haven't really seen any indications from the organization that they're willing to do that. So like I need, I need, I would need them to, from an organizational standpoint, be willing to accept the fact that for the next year or two, they're not going to be a playoff team and they need to try and get something for not just Merz Lakins, but a lot of guys on this roster. Yeah. So the way I see it long-term is for one thing, who the goalie is, is not the most important thing. It was when Bobrovsky was here. This was a team that was built around Bobrovsky being good but that's not what they're going to be going forward. Okay. And I see, I see three pieces that this team needs to be able to build around. And that's Jones, Wierenski and line. If they can lock those three in, then I think it's a matter of them just doing a retool rather than a rebuild, because you can build a team around those guys. Plus Bjorkstrand who's locked up for five years as well. That's, that's your core going forward. And with that in mind, you might have to pay a premium to keep Line A and Jones and Wierenski. And I think, would you agree, though, that we got to pay those guys are worth paying, right? Those three? I would agree, but I want to quibble with one thing. Well, hold on to that, but let me make my point then, which I think I see where you're going with that. But so we want to pay those guys, which means we have to not waste money on any other on any of middling players or anything like that. And so if you can save money anywhere in this hard cap league where there's going to be this flat cap for the foreseeable future, you know, because Elvis is making $4 million next year. Corby's making just two point eight. million. Tarasov would be on an ELC. That extra, you know, $1.2 million might be what it takes to convince Line A to stay, to, you know, convince Jones to stay and but if you have those guys those three i think you don't need necessarily a superstar 
goalie. You can you've got line scoring goals. You've got Wierenski scoring goals. You've got Jones Wierenski helping the defense, and I think you can get by with okay goalies. Do we have Wierenski scoring goals this though? Not not really this year, but uh, no, we scored twenty last year. You don't you don't need Connor Hellebuck back there, but you do need someone who's league average. Tarasov, we don't know. Corpusalo is not that guy through his career. The biggest, my, and I was going to say, my biggest quibble with, you know, obviously I don't want to lose any of Jones, Line, or Warinsky. But when you're building a team, you need a center. And we don't have one of those right now. We don't have a prospect. We don't have the trade pieces to go get one, unless you're willing to part with one of those two defensemen. You're not going to find a Stanley Cup. Basically, I, I'm what I'm what I'm trying to get at here is, you know, not that I I'm not gonna. I assume Yarmo has a plan. Lord, please, Lord, have a plan. What I'm what I what I'm what I'm most interested in the rest of the year because I don't I don't believe the Blue Jackets are going to make the playoffs this year. But what I'm interested to see is what players get run down the stretch, which players look hot, which players could play themselves into a bigger role in the future of this organization. And what does the team do to address the center position? Because I have long been a proponent of you win the Stanley Cup with a strong number one center and a strong number one defenseman. And I'm, I'm really, really interested to see because it's been reported from multiple outlets that Yarmo is hard in the market for number one centers. And those don't come around very often. It seems like the only team that trades them is the Columbus Blue Jackets, you know. I know there's a there's a guy up in Buffalo that's reportedly on the market uh, or will be this summer, given the failure of that organization. But uh, we don't really have the pieces to go get him right now. Well, and I, I think I think one thing that would entice a team like Buffalo would be a goalie, and I think it's more likely that a goalie like Elvis would win over them with then a goalie like Corpusalo, or you trade Elvis for pieces that you throw in with another team to to get a center and. And you need that extra cap space to pay a center of that quality as well. So that's why you don't want to overpay to keep a guy like Elvis. You got to trade something of quality to get something back. So yeah, if you're going to trade Elvis as part of something to get Jack Eichel, I don't think any of us will complain with that. Even though Seeds, I, I get exactly what you're saying about Corpus Solo. I just want to see Elvis play, have opportunity to keep playing more games before I decide if he is you know better than Corpus Solo. I definitely agree with the ceiling though. And he did. He did get consecutive starts this week on Thursday and Saturday, and that was that was good to see. I was glad that he got right. that. And, I, that and I'm not putting Thursday's game really on him. I know they blew that that three goal lead in the fourth period, but or in the they blew that three goal lead in the third period. But man, he got zero help down the stretch there. So I'm not really all these penalty kills they had in that third period. Right. He he got absolutely no help down the stretch. So I'd like to, I'd really like to see Elvis get some run. But then you look at, you know, Elvis gave up, you know, four goals in regulation on Thursday. He gave up three in regulation mm. on Saturday and then Corpy only gave up one in regulation on yeah, Sunday. Unfortunately, the team only so, scored one in regulation on Sunday. You know, Maybe I, they were just playing low event tired hockey on the third, third and four. Third game in four days. Maybe they were just. But they played better or, defense. Was it better so, defense you know, or worse offense? I don't like, know. It's. Well, but you know, D- Dallas had, Dallas had Radulov back in that game, which they didn't. Yeah, although have on Dallas Saturday, is also playing so. like thirty games in sixty days, so but they have true. at least. They, I think true. we can all use the break as they won't play until Thursday. So the Jackets, maybe the Jackets will rest up and be ready to. Have to be like we talked about at the beginning that they need to 
really have a strong showing against Carolina, who not only is one of the better teams, but they are in first place and looking like, well, they're going to definitely be one of the top four. And Columbus is just fighting for their lives. So they can't rely. Like you said, PD, they might show up against Carolina, but they better not lose games to Detroit before they have to play Tampa Bay. Yeah. Anyway, that's going to do it for us this week. Check us out at jacketscanon.com, at cbjcanon on Twitter and Facebook, and we'll see you all next week. Subscribe to the Canon Cast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you can catch every episode. Leave us a review and a rating, and as always, we welcome your thoughts and feedback. Go to jacketscanon.com for more Blue Jackets coverage from us, and follow us on Twitter at cbjcanon. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Pearlie and the Howling Moons. Check out angelapearlie.com for more music and show dates.